Welcome to our Rolling Hills Community Church Sermon Podcast. I'm Chloe Rogers, and I'm the Digital Engagement Director here at Rolling Hills. We all get angry, right? We all experience situations or moments that make us mad or frustrated and make us react emotionally. God has designed us to be people with emotions and have the ability to express them, but He also calls us to be people of peace and joy. So when we do experience feelings of anger and frustration stemming from the sin of wrath, we need to learn to combat those with the truth found in God's Word. And that's what we're going to do in today's message. Thanks for being here today. Good morning, good morning, Rolling Hills Church family. It's so good to be together today. Welcome everybody here at our Franklin campus. Welcome everybody who's joining in online. So glad that you're here and that we can worship our great God together. Well, welcome back to our series. We're in this great series called Refine. And we're praying that God would refine us just like he does with gold, right? When I mean, gold is heated up, man, all the dross burns off and you're left with this pure gold. And that's, that's the heartbeat for all of us, Right? When you become a Christ follower, it happens in an instant. God's drawing you to himself, right? And God's sovereignty and his grace. And maybe you accepted Christ when you were eight years old, or you accepted Christ when you were 20 or 30, or maybe you haven't accepted Christ yet, but maybe God is drawing you. That's the Holy Spirit speaking to you. But salvation happens in an instant, but then sanctification takes a lifetime. And that is us being conformed to the image of Jesus, that God is refining us, our hearts and our minds, to look more like Christ. And you have to think that, you know, if you accepted Christ at 20 or 30 or 40, you had a lot of years in the world, right? All this time in the world. And so God's got a lot of world to get out of us and a lot of Jesus to get in us and for us to look more like him. And I love as David prayed in the Bible, he prayed, search me, oh God, not just search the world, but but God search me and know my heart, test me and know my thoughts and see if there be any impure way in me and, and lead me in your way everlasting. You know, look at my life. And so I'm so proud of you, church, because, man, this series, it's deep. I mean, it's like God working on our hearts and our minds. And and I'm just so grateful for all God's teaching us and for the feedback here as we grow as disciples. And so in this series, we're looking at the seven deadly sins, right? It tells us in Proverbs chapter 6, it says there are six things the Lord hates, seven that are detestable to him. And the early church fathers kind of started to boil it down and say there's really these seven deadly sins from which the headwaters, all the other sins flow. And so we've been looking at this. We talked about lust the first week and how lust is, you know, what can you do for me? How can you make me feel? But God's transforming us into love, right? What can I do for you? How can I make you feel? How can I serve you? Love God, love others. Then we talked about the sin of gluttony. In our world, it's excess, excess, more, 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 more. But God's transforming us, moderation, right? the things of this world a little bit, but man, I'm going to hold on to the things of God. And then we saw greed. And boy, that's a challenge for all of us, right? Greed. We live in this world, a society that money 
becomes the God for so many people. We said, that's not it. Money doesn't solve all of our problems. God does. We're going to put our hope and faith in him. And when he gives it, we're not just going to hoard it and get tense. We're going to be generous. We're going to share. And last week, we talked about slothfulness, right? Slothfulness and how we can easily grow lazy in our spiritual lives and, and, and stop reading the Bible, coming to church, you know, doing the things of God. But we want to have spiritual ambition. We want to grow deeper and stronger because it impacts our relationship with God or impacts our relationship with others. And then today, it's this one, wrath, wrath or anger, right? And we live in a world of anger, right? I mean, we just do. It's all around us all the time. You just go on social media and you feel like, man, everybody's angry, right? They're just angry. I mean, all these kings are out there. And we even have, uh, you know, cartoon characters, right? Hulk smash. I mean, it's just like, okay, right? It's like, this is this anger. You got road rage. You got all these things that come out, anger management classes. And, and anger impacts all of us. Maybe you grew up in a home where, there's just a lot of anger, and you're still dealing with it, right? There was a lot of yelling and a lot of screaming, and you're just like, ah, I just don't want that. I just don't want that anymore in my life. Or maybe you grew up in a home where it was passive-aggressive, and, and, and the anger wasn't overt, but, man, you could feel it. It was just tense, and you're just like, oh, it's right there, right there under the surface. There is anger all around us. So how do we allow God to refine us? How do we not become people who are more and more angry and look more and more like the world? How do we become people that trust in God, delight in him, have joy and peace and purpose in our lives? Well, that's what we're going to talk about today. So if you have a Bible, I invite you to open back with me to the book of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 14. Proverbs chapter 14. Now, if you don't have a Bible, it's okay. There's some Bibles in the back. Or if you're online, you can go you know, to that Rolling Hills app or you can go to Version. But love for you to see the scriptures because Proverbs was written by a guy named Solomon, who was the wisest man that ever lived, right? I mean, this, this guy, he's the son of David, right? And he is, you know, all of a sudden becomes the king. And yet God says, hey, whatever you want, Solomon, you know, do you want long life? Do you want wealth? And, and Solomon's like, no, I want wisdom to lead your people. I, I want to be wise. And God's like, great answer, right? Because of that, I'll give you, you know, wealth and all power and all this other stuff. And so he's wise, 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 wise. And he also becomes really wealthy. But he's writing about these things. And we've been walking through Proverbs and gaining this wisdom. And you come to Proverbs 14. And he says in verse 29, he says, whoever is patient has great understanding. But one who is quick tempered displays folly. And I bet if you look in your life and you kind of go, yeah, I've been there, right? There's times when my temper just gets ahead of me, right? I, I get quick tempered and, and I've said things that I regret. I've done things out of anger, and I'm like, oh, why did I do that, right? Oh, come on. And, and he's like, that's displaying folly. But whoever is patient, who's ever patient, patient, patient. And if you look at your life and you're like, why did I get so angry about that? It worked out over time. Why was I so upset? Why was I stewing and I couldn't sleep? And it just went on in my mind, and then it worked out. Hey, whoever has patience has great understanding. Hold on. God's sovereign. God's in control. Can I trust him? Can I trust him? If you were to turn back one book into Psalms, Psalm 37, here's what it says. Refrain from anger and turn from wrath. Refrain from anger and turn from wrath, right? Don't turn into it, right? Turn from it, right? Do not fret. It only leads to evil. For those who are evil will be destroyed, 
but those who hope in the Lord will inherit the land. So we come down, man, is my hope in the Lord? Do I trust that God's got a plan for my life? Do I trust that God is sovereign over the whole world? Can I put my hope in him? And as we talk about this today, we have to come back and say, what's going on in me? <laughs> right? Not just what's happening in the world because that, that impacts me, but, but what's going on in my heart, in my life? God, search me, refine me. And, and Jesus always got to the heart of matters, right? Jesus didn't stay on the surface level, right? Jesus always came down to our hearts. He always knew what was going on inside of us. And if you go over to Matthew chapter five, when Jesus begins his earthly ministry, you know, he has the, uh, the Mount of Beatitudes, right? It's just awesome. The Sermon on the Mount that takes place in Matthew five, six, and seven, the longest sermon that we had. But in the middle of it, he comes to this part and he says in Matthew chapter five, verse 21, he says, you've heard that it was said to the people long ago, you shall not murder. And the people would have been, yeah, I know, right? It's one of the Ten Commandments. Don't murder. It's wrong, right? Jesus is like, you're right. You've heard it said, don't murder. And anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But here he goes, going to the heart. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Anger? What? Yeah, anyone who's angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to a brother or sister, raka, and raka is an Aramaic term. It's like contempt, right? Oh, raka is answerable to the court. And anyone who says you fool will be a danger of the fire of hell. And then Jesus goes on and says, therefore, if you're offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First, go and be reconciled to them then come and offer your gift. What? Jesus is going, wait, you come to worship and all of a sudden, man, you just are overwhelmed with like, oh man, I, I, you know, in anger, you know, something happened, there's broken relationships, there's things that are, he's like, you've got to get that right. What he's saying is your relationship with God is impacted by your relationship with others. And as Christ followers, we've got to learn to live that out. That's powerful. And it's speaking to every one of us. Because we're in this world, but we're not of this world. We're called to be different. We're called to be set apart. We're called to be holy. We're called to look like Jesus. You see, wrath or anger, it's kind of like fire, right? Used in the right context, I mean, it's good. It keeps you warm. You know, it could boil water, right? It cooks food. But used outside of the right context, wrath or anger destroys. And it leaves carnage. And you can just see it, and you see the ripple effects. Uh, you know, my kids all play uh, youth sports, and so, you know, we've been in youth sports all the time, and you just want a demonstration, just go, right, uh, you know, just watch, and a lot of times you're just like, what are you doing, right? You, you got people up in the stands losing their minds or yelling at the referees, and you're like, your kid's five, okay? You know, like, they're going to travel. I mean, you know, like, sorry, you missed the continuation call, right? It's not the NBA. I mean, you know, and you just see this, and you're like, what's going on? I mean, why is there? But, but there's so much pent-up anger many times that it just comes out. And whether it's a volunteer refing a basketball game or a volunteer coaching, or you're, you're just like, hold on. But there's a shift that comes in our lives when we go, you know what? I don't want to be angry, upset about all this. You know, I mean, they're, they're going to get better. They're five, they're six, they're seven. It's okay if we didn't win that game, all right? You know, they got a long way to go, right? I mean, they're not playing in the NBA. But, but man, I want to delight in them. I want to encourage them. 
You know, I want to encourage the other team, right? Hey, that was a great save, goalie. Good job, you know? I mean, I wish my kid would have scored, but that was a great save, you know? I want to get to that point where I'm not filled with anger that I have to lash out. I want to be filled with joy and delight, and that's what God wants to do in all of our lives. I want you to live with that kind of joy, that kind of delight, and not in the anger. So if you're taking notes today, I think this is a big one for all of us, right? And there's different seasons that we have to battle this one. But man, if I want to just encourage you to take some notes, if you're here at Franklin, if you're online, you go to the Rolling Hills app, you can fill in some of the blanks. But this is a big one for all of us. Look at this. Number one, anger can be a destructive sin. It's a sin, right? Seven deadly sins. And it can be a destructive one, you know? Greed, it's kind of in there and it kind of gets a hold of us, right? And it's deadly, it's tough, or slothfulness. But anger gets more expressed. And we all have some battle scars from anger in our lives. Look at what it says. Remember, whoever is patient has great understanding, but the one who is quick-tempered displays folly. And maybe that's been you in your life, and you're just like, oh, I'm just so quick-tempered. And you're like, hold on, hold on. God, refine me. God, refine me in this. Notice this one. Anger can destroy lives, marriages, careers, and more. And just the last couple of weeks, I've seen this played out, right? Destroyed lives. I saw the other day on USA Today. I mean, here was a dad in California and driving two kids in the car and road rage. And some guy just pulls a gun and shoots him. I'm like, what? And I just think about destroying kids' life, but the impact on the kids, but the impact on the guy who did that. You're just thinking, merge. It's okay. You can have the lane. You can get in front. I don't have to compete with you. It's all right. But it comes in in just subtle ways. Marriages, oh, so many times, man, people get to the brink of divorce and you're like, what started this? And it goes back to something little. And you're like, what are you doing? This was small. This was little. Why? Why? Or, or careers. I saw a couple weeks ago, there was a coach for the NCAA tournament, you know, I mean, like a big school, big school, and, and their team after the game, he takes a swing at the assistant coach on the other team. And then the teams break out in fights, and you're going, what are you doing? You're making millions of dollars, right? I'd be like, what are you doing? This anger is going to cost you, right? It may even cost him his career. And maybe you've seen that in business. Somebody just blows up, right? And they're just like, lose it. You're going, what has happened? It's an anger. It's anger. See, destructive anger comes from our own selfish desires. If you really boil it down, right, it comes from we want our way. And when we don't get our way, we get mad, right? We want our spouse to act like we want them to. We want our kids to act like we want them to, right? We want our roommates to do it. We come, we just go, I want my way. And if I can't get it, anger, anger, anger comes in. And you've got to be careful. Here's what James wrote. James wrote in Chapter four, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire, but you do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have it because you do not ask God for it. <laughs> they don't get to the point where like, God, I need this. No, 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 God, I'm gonna go get it. I'm gonna take control. I'm gonna do whatever it is. Uh, I remember when my youngest daughter was three, and there was a time at night, and she wanted to do something. She's sitting at the dinner table, and my wife, Lisa, she's like, I want this, I want this. And, and Lisa, my wife, goes, no, you can't have it. And my three-year-old goes, darn it, except it wasn't darn, okay? <laughs> and we were all like, 
what? You're like, what just happened? Oh, preacher's kid, you know? I go, oh, no. I mean, we're like going, what is going on? And I looked at Lisa, and she's looking at me, and my daughter like kind of knew, you know, there's that moment of like, uh-oh, you know, we're like, where did you learn that word? And we're like, you know, and she's like, uncle so-and-so, I'm not going to throw him under the bus right now, you know, but... <laughs> it's like Uncle So, we're like Uncle So and So, you know. Uh, but there was this time. But have you noticed that kids, right? If I don't get my way, I'm gonna get angry. If I don't get my toy, I want that toy. They they learn right even at a young age. Man, I want to fight for this. I want to fight for this. that quarreling even among you. And you think sometimes we still have those childish ways that keep going in our lives. Now you're thinking like, well, why do we even have anger? I mean, why God created us, why, why is there even in there? Because there is righteous anger. There is a righteous anger. You know, when there is injustice in the world, we ought to be angry about that. You know, Jesus was angry, right? You go to Mark chapter three, he gets angry at the Pharisees. I mean, it was just, he was angry. You, you remember the Holy Week, right? Jesus comes in to Holy Week, comes into Jerusalem. He goes, where does it go? To the temple. And he goes in there. What does he do? He starts overthrowing tables, you're thinking, whoa, he's angry. Why? Because it was in the court of the Gentiles and, and they had set up this kind of boundary that you couldn't come and worship God. You had to come and you bring a lamb and you would walk in. They would go, oh, your lamb's got a blemish on it. But hey, in 1995 over here, you got an unblemished lamb and you could come and worship. And Jesus is like, no, he's throwing the tables over. He's going, my house should be called a house of prayer for all nations. Everybody have a relationship with God. Jesus got angry. There ought to be righteous anger in our lives sometimes. There's a war that's happening right now in our world. And man, I mean, the world is, is angry. It's wrong. It's unjust. There ought to be in our lives the sex slave trade. We ought to get angry over that and say, we need to do something about that. It, it compels us. It moves us forward. There is a righteous anger. When we see sin, we see sin around. That's why we step up and say, no, no, no. That's important. However, however, selfish anger does not produce a man or woman of God. And that's where we have to really watch our hearts and watch our desires. Is it selfish anger or is it godly? In my life, am I looking more like the world or more like Christ? James goes on and he writes this. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Because human, look at that right there. Human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. It's that human anger in us that we really have to be careful about. I remember when I was in college, I had a roommate my sophomore year. We lived in an apartment, you know, off campus. And I, and I remember like the first week, uh, you know, things were going good. But then one day he leaves a cereal bowl out. Like he goes off to class and the cereal bowl with the milk is right there, you know, and I'm like, okay, no big deal. Maybe you just forgot it, right? You know, so I take it, you know, wash it out. I put it in the dishwasher. I go to class. I'm fine, right? The next day, the cereal bowl's out again. I'm like, dude, you know, like, well, what's going on, right? I don't say anything. Just clean it up. Well, th this goes on for like a couple of weeks and I'm just getting mad. I mean, I'm like, you know, it's welled up and I'm like, your mom doesn't live here, bro. You know, like, come on, you know, you're in college now, but I don't say anything. And I'm just mad. So now I'm going to class and I'm mad. I'm kind of fired up. I'm like, what's going on? And finally something happened. And I go to him. I'm like, dude, you leave your cereal bowl out every day. He's like, oh, so sorry, man. I didn't even know. I know it bothered you. And I'm like, yeah, it, it does. Right. You know, and he's like, I'll do it. I'll, I'll, you know, I'll watch it. And I just thought, you know, for like three weeks, this guy didn't even have a clue. 
He didn't know that I was getting mad about this, but it was me. I was getting frustrated over something little. I could have easily said, hey, let's deal with this now. But, but no, but so many times it builds up. It builds up. Uh, there's times that I do premarital counseling and I, and I always ask, like the couple, I'm always like, hey, are you angry at somebody in your life? You have a daddy walked out on you? I'm, I'm so sorry. Did you have a boss that, that treated you? I'm so sorry. But, but listen, please deal with that now so you don't bring that into marriage. Because you bring that in and it's not fair to them, right? You're coming in and you've got this anger in you. And that's why God says, deal with it. You know, we have a lot of people in our church who, who work in um, city government or county government or state government. I'm so thankful for you guys and all of you who serve. And, and one of them who's pretty high up in our county government, he wrote an email last Sunday after church. He said, man, I'm enjoying this latest series on the seven deadly sins. There's a great message today. Thanks so much. And he said, I suspect that wrath is next. And he said, I just wanted to convey something that I've heard repeatedly lately about Williamson County, and it saddens me deeply. He said, we're displaying an unusually high degree of wrath toward our frontline workers, including servers, waitstaff, healthcare workers, and teachers. He said, I have story after story of frankly just evil behavior from people in our community towards those who serve. A few months ago, the CEO of a major hospital here, he said that his staff is fragile because of repeated abuse of people that they're caring for. He said, I know this county and I know we're better than this, but it's hard to tell lately. I understand people are feeling a level of unimaginable stress, but that's no excuse for this kind of behavior. We risk losing our best teachers if this continues, and that will impact our community in ways we cannot imagine. And you know, I know you guys, I know it's not nobody here, I know it's nobody right, you know, at Rolling Hills, but, but I just gotta say, we've gotta be people who step out in love. We've gotta be people who just offer grace to our frontline workers, to our nurses, our doctors, to our teachers. I saw that applications for teaching in Williamson County is down 50%. And I'm just thinking, yeah, I mean, it's hard. In these last two years, there's so much stress that's been built up, but it just spews out. And we've gotta be people who step into that and go, no, I wanna love on our servers. I wanna be generous when I tip. I wanna be gracious to the people around me. I wanna be thankful to all of our policemen and, and firemen, everybody who takes care of us around me. I wanna be a person who offers grace and steps into it because there's a lot of anger in this world today. There's a lot of anger. So as Christ followers, right, as Christ followers, how do we, how do we deal with the anger in a healthy way? Because it's out there and it can so easily come in here. How do we deal with that in a healthy way? Remember what it said in Psalm? Remember this? Refrain from anger and turn from wrath. Do not fret. It only leads to evil. Do not fret. Don't let it stew in your mind. For those who are evil will be destroyed, but those who hope in the Lord, hope in the Lord, will inherit the land. Look at this. Love God and love others. You see, if you have an agenda, if I have an agenda, that my agenda is I don't have to get my way every time. I don't have to win every argument. I, I can love God and I can love others. I can wake up today and go, you know what? I'm gonna love God more today and go, God, use me today. Fill me with your spirit today. And God, let me be gracious and let me love the people around me today. Man, let me love my kids. Let me love my roommates. Let me love my spouse. Let me love the people I work with. Let me love the people in my neighborhood. God, use me. I mean, think about this. You, you remember in 1 Corinthians 13, it talks about love. And what description does it give? Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. 
It's not proud, it's not rude, it's not self-seeking, it keeps no record of wrongs. But the first thing, right, love is patient. And when you and I are patient, we demonstrate love. Do you know when there's a time of crisis, the leader in the room is always the calmest one in the room. You can identify that. They're the calmest one in the room. And for us, that, that man, let me love God, let me love others. Let me, that be my agenda for the day. Hey, look at this one, pray. You're like, I knew you would say that. It's church, right? You know? but, but seriously, this is how you diffuse. You, you know, when things start to escalate, you're getting an argument with your teenager, you're getting an argument with your boss or your coworker or somebody, and, and you can just take it to the next level. You can go, hold on, God, right there under my breath. You know, I don't have to get down on my knees. I can just write under my breath, God, God, calm my heart, calm my spirit. God, let me speak wise words. God, let me be a person of grace. Right there. I don't have to escalate this. I don't have to take this to a different level, you know? I could pray. I could pray in the middle of this. Look at this, number three. Never respond in anger. I think it's so tempting for all of us, right? When something happens, there's an injustice, our immediate response, man, let me go to Twitter, right? Let me go to you know, social media. Let me just post about this. But if we could take a deep breath and go, hold on, let me do this in the right way. Let me figure out how to address this issue in a way that's healthy, that's gonna be productive, you know, as a parent, right, you never discipline out of anger, always out of love. Discipline's important. It's important. God disciplines those he loves. But, but man, you never discipline out of anger, and it's always that temptation. It's like, oh, I'm gonna take, and I'm gonna get my way versus, God, I wanna love. I wanna love. And so how do we respond? How do we respond? Never respond in anger. It doesn't go well. Look, counseling. If there's unresolved anger in your heart and your lives, and, and I know, so you, you grew up in situations that were just really hard and really tough, but at some point, we all have to deal with that. At some point, we have to go, okay, I need some help here. You know, we have divorce care on Tuesday nights. We have grief share. We have a care night. We have a counselor on our staff. Kathy Kuhn is awesome. And if there's things in your life that you've just been carrying with you, not just for three weeks over a cereal bowl, but you've been carrying for 20 years over anger at a parent or an anger at a boss or anger at an ex, hey, deal with it, right? Do the work, it gets stronger in that area. You know, be healthy in that area. You know, go to counseling or anger management, whatever it is, but don't let it get to the point where it boils over and it impacts other people around you. And then this one, number five, is this forgiveness. Ooh, because that's hard. <laughs> so much easier just to carry that grudge than to say, God, I forgive. But for all of us, there comes this point where we go, God, I, I gotta bring this to you. I'm tired of carrying it. And maybe for you, there's a grudge that you've had for a long time. There's just a grudge. In there, man, Satan's getting a foothold in your life. You know, Ephesians chapter four, it tells us this, in your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. And Lisa and I are our marriage, and that's been important for us. There's times we have disagreements, right? But we're like, we're not gonna let the sun go down while we're still angry. We're gonna talk about this. We're gonna process this. We're gonna pray through this. We're gonna get through it, right? We're not gonna give the devil a foothold. Does the devil have a foothold in your mind or your heart? Does the devil have a foothold in your life? Is there something you've been carrying with you? Forgive. Here's what it says in Ephesians, Ephesians. It says, get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger. Get rid of it. Brawling and slander along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. He's like, here's the standard. Look what God did for you. 
Now, now, now you forgive. See, grace, if you boil it down, right? Grace is the bridge between wrath and delight. Grace is the bridge. You realize the grace you've received and you're just like, man, I want to bless others. I want to have joy in my life. I don't want to live in this anger or this rage or this bitterness or this resentment. I want to live with delight. I want to be joyful. If you keep going in Ephesians, it tells us in Ephesians 5.1, follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. So if we're to do this, if we're to do this, number one thing that's important for us to do is this, commit your life to Jesus. I just want to tell you, it's only Jesus who can change a heart and a life. You know, and, and we can say willpower, uh, I'm not going to be angry, I'm not going to be mad, I'm not going to let this, you know, ruin my marriage or my relationships, but, but there comes a point where we go, Jesus, I need you in my heart. Forgive my sins, redeem me, restore me, start with me. It's easy to blame everybody else out there, right? And, and we do it, but, but man, start with me, God. God, I want to commit my life to you. I want to follow you. I want to trust you with everything in me. You are sovereign. I'm committing my life to you. Then, look, God's wrath against sin is either poured out on us or on Jesus. So right, this righteous anger, God hates sin, it's poured out, but Jesus goes to the cross. Jesus takes your sin, he, my sin, goes to the cross, dies on the cross, and what does he say on the cross? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? His own son, why? Because all of our sin was upon him. But Jesus paid the price, substitutionary atonement, took your place, took my place, that we can be the righteousness of Christ. And so the sin is atoned for in Jesus. So it's either poured out on you or on Jesus. Praise God for this. And then receive God's grace, but then offer God's grace to others. Once we receive God's grace, we've got to be different. Once we receive God's grace, we gotta live differently in our lives. We then offer grace. We offer grace to the people around us because we're not perfect. They're not perfect. None of us are, but he is. And he calls us to this life of love. Jesus told this parable. You know, it was an earthly story of the heavenly meaning. And he told it in response to Peter. Peter comes up to him one day and Peter's like, Jesus, how many times should we forgive? Seven? And I think Peter's thinking, look at me. I'm doing like, look, I'm so good. And Jesus is like, no. How about 70 times seven? He's like, no, you've got a call. You've got a responsibility. Forgive, forgive, forgive. And then Jesus tells this parable in response to that. He says, hey, there was a king who started to settle accounts with all the subjects in his land. And there was one subject that owed him millions of dollars. And so he calls the subject in. He says, hey, you got the money? And the guy's like, no. Nope. And he's like, okay, you're going to prison and all your family's going to prison and we're selling them off, and we're selling all, the, you know, all your houses, everything you have, it's all gonna be sold to pay this debt. And the guy falls on his knees like, no, 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 please, 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 please. And the king shows mercy to him. And the guy's like, yeah, mercy. Then the guy walks out, and he's walking along, and he sees this guy who owes him like $1,000. And Jesus goes, he runs up to him, and he grabs him by the shirt, and he starts to shake him. He goes, give me that $1,000. And the guy's like, please, please, have mercy on me. He's like, no way. He calls the jailer, says, hey, throw this guy in jail and his family in jail so he can pay it. And the king finds out about it and goes, you wicked servant. You're going to jail. You were forgiven so much. How can you not forgive little? And I think in our lives, we can fall to that trap. We forget how much we've been forgiven, that we just carry this with us and we 
we're called to forgive. We're called to offer grace. We're called to offer that grace. See, delight yourself in the Lord. See, this is the impact. This is the difference. Instead of living with bitterness and rage and resentment all the time, I can live with delight because look at what God's done. Look at the goodness in my own life. Look at the way God's blessed. And now, God, I want to live my life for your glory. I was reading the other day about a guy who was on that flight with Sully. You remember that? And landed on the Hudson. I mean, crazy. So he's one of the passengers on that flight. And he said, I, he said, I knew something was wrong. And he said, the first engine went out. And he said, but I, I still thought, okay, you know, second engine, we'll, we'll be fine. And then all of a sudden, the second engine goes out and it's just like quiet. And he goes, I knew right then we're in trouble. And he said, the plane was coming around. It was coming around. He said, I've been on that flight before. I knew this wasn't the right direction. And then over the PA, in the middle of the silence, you just heard this. The captain say, assume the crash position. And he said, it was in that moment I knew my life. It was over. I mean, I was just like, that was it. And he said, what was interesting is a couple of thoughts came to mind. First was this. It wasn't about stuff. I didn't think about all the things that were going on. I didn't think about my job. I didn't think about promotion. I didn't think about stuff. Or buy. He said, the second thing was there was a peace. He said, I knew God, right? And I was in right relationship. So, so there wasn't a panic like, oh no, what's gonna be in the afterlife? I, I knew, I was solid and I was so thankful. And he said, third, he said, I just started thinking about my family and friends. He said, I just started thinking about wanting to watch my kids grow up and the things I was gonna miss in their life, graduations and all these things that I was going to miss. And he said, you know the story, right? I mean, we landed on the Hudson. It was a miracle. I mean, our lives were saved. He goes, a miracle that I'm even here writing this. He goes, but I got to tell you, since that time, I haven't had one fight with my wife. <laughs> so since that time, my whole life has changed. My whole outlook has changed. You know, I'm not as stressed as I used to be. I'm not as uptight as I used to be. I'm not angry as I used to be. There's just a peace that comes when you all of a sudden you're confronted with what really matters. And I just thought, man, our lives, what really matters? And that's why the scripture tells us, right? Take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Live your life for him. You don't always have to be right. We don't always have to get our way. We can trust that God is sovereign and in control. You know, a goldsmith, when they're refining gold and they're burning it up and it's so hot, it's so hot. And you know what? Characters refined in the heat many times. That's what we see what our lives really like. But they, they, they heat it up so much that they burn the dross off. And you know how the goldsmith knows that the gold is ready? You know how the goldsmith knows that it is pure gold? When the goldsmith can see his reflection in the gold. And you know how God sees our lives? when he sees the reflection of Christ in us, when he sees us starting to live that way, to delight in him. See, our God is able. And I don't know what's going on in your life. I don't know what you're bringing in today. I don't know what worries in your marriage or from your childhood, or I don't know what struggles you're even facing today, but I know our God is able. Our God is able to change our hearts and our lives. Our God is able to bring hope and help. And it's according to his power that is at work within us. You're not... Ted, that you have life to live, that you have joy and delight. Take delight in him and live your life for the glory of God. Make every moment matter. Bless those around you. Let, let's just share the love of Christ because our world needs hope and help. And God says, you are my 
sons and my daughters. And I love you with an everlasting love. Live your life for me. I wanna ask you to bow your head and close your eyes just for a moment. I don't know where you are today. Maybe today's the day of salvation. You just go, Jesus, I want you to be the Lord of my life. I'm tired. Tired of fighting the battles, God. Tired of trying to be right. Jesus, forgive my sins, redeem me, restore me. God, if you want me to be baptized, I'm ready. I'm ready to take that step. I'm ready to follow you. Maybe today there's, there's really a place that the devil's getting a foothold. Maybe it's in your mind, in your heart. Maybe God's calling you to forgive and you just keep holding on to it. Today, would you say, I'm gonna deal with it. God, I'm gonna give it to you. Maybe there's a, there's a foothold in your marriage and you just gotta go, God, no. I need your help. I want to forgive. I want to love. I want to have a great marriage. I want to, I want to raise godly kids. God, I want to have great roommates and I want to have great relationships with friends. I don't want to always be bitter or angry. God, come. So, Father God, we need you. Father, all, all of us struggle in some way in this area. But God, I pray today that we would just bring it to you and we would find your grace we would find your mercy. And we don't have to live in shame or regret. We can live in grace. We can't change the past, but we can go forward in delight. We can be excited about who you are and what you're doing in our life. And we can offer grace to the people around us. We can love them radically, just like you love us radically. So Father, fill us today with hope. Fill us today with joy. Fill us today with forgiveness and let it just pour out on those around us, God. Let us love you and love others in our community and in our world. We need you, Jesus. Come and meet us today and refine us to be more like Jesus. In your name we pray, amen, amen, amen. Thanks for listening to our Rolling Hills Sermon Podcast, part of the Rolling Hills Podcast Network. If you like this podcast, subscribe to it or share it with some friends. You can also check out some of our other great podcasts like Making History Parenting Podcast, Men's Leadership Network, RH Women's As You Go Podcast, and more. If you're interested in learning more about Rolling Hills, download our app, follow us on social media, or visit us at our website at rollinghills.church. We're thankful for you.